0: This is the e commerce brain trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high level conversations about e commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our brain trust and boost your brand's e commerce potential.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the e commerce brain trust podcast. I'm your host, Curie Masters, Head of Retail Strategy at Acadia, and today I'm joined by Elizabeth Rivers. Elizabeth is the e-commerce marketplace director at AlgaeCal, a nutritional supplement company based in Canada. Elizabeth has worked in the Amazon ecosystem for five years in various categories, including outdoor and supplements, scaling them to be the top of the category and running seven to eight figure revenue companies in the US and Canada. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth.
0: Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. It's truly an honor to be here, especially considering how much your work has influenced my journey. I actually still remember reading your book, Amazon for CMOs, in my first years, yeah, working at Pelican. And I believe it was 2019. My God, time flies by. It's incredible. But honestly, like your insights have been really valuable to me, helping me navigate, you know, the complexities of online marketplace. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to share my journey with your audience today.
1: Wonderful. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for following along. It's interesting. Sometimes I'll get a shout out on LinkedIn or someone I speak with will say, Oh, I love the podcast. I've been listening for years. And podcasting is one of those things that you feel like you're shouting into the night, really, because you can't really get very good metrics back around podcast listeners, who's listening, how engaged they are. So it's really relying on anecdotal evidence like that, that people are actually listening to. But I do, fortunately, I do receive enough of that to want to keep going. So <laughs> thank good. you for the kind words. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your story, how you got started in e-commerce and what you love about it.
0: Yeah, so quite funny how I got started in e-commerce because I would say that I really was thrown right into it. Before 2018, I hadn't touched anything related to online sales. I was actually working in the BDB side of the business as a marketing and sales director. I was managing distributors and sales for companies like Thermo Fisher, 3M, you know, for their laboratory divisions. So as you can see, like e-commerce was like nowhere on my radar at that time. But in 2017, I started at Pelican International. It's a Canadian company, which is the largest manufacturer of plastic kayaks in the world. And I had this very nice mandate that was to develop an accessory product line to sell online. At that time, Amazon wasn't even an existing channel for them. So, with no experience other than my inner drive and curiosity, I dove like headfirst into this like giant called Amazon, which honestly, Carrie still amazed me after five years. It's honestly like a beast that you can never really truly tame, but it's always evolving. And I think. That's what I love about e-commerce. It's constant evolution.
1: I love that. And I hear that from so many people who've been around a little longer is like, you have to be a pioneer essentially (laughs) in the space and figuring things out from scratch, I guess. Like now there is a little bit more of a playbook, especially for Amazon. But I think, you know, with new marketplaces or not even new, but marketplaces like Walmart and retail media networks we're back at the beginning we're back at 2014 2015 when the playbook is really being written and we're just figuring out as we go along so I agree with you now that Amazon has you know there are people with you know chief Amazon officer in their title and things like that but we're starting over again fresh with channels and marketing and distribution channels that are fairly new.
0: I agree, and the setups are quite different. Like, for instance, at Pelican, we had a one-piece setup with Amazon. And just to continue my experience with them, after 18 months, I had to work with our research and development team to launch this new accessory lineup. We did really good. We had a complete range of paddles for kayaks and dry bag collection, so different categories within the nautical space. And I think that what I really loved about that experience was having like the control, you know, of the whole process from A to Z, because I was implicated from the designing, the sourcing molds in China to develop with my team until the go-to-market strategy. Yeah. So that was really nice because actually, fun fact, Carrie, it's like the design was influenced by, my God, I can't remember, like hundreds and hundreds of reviews that I was reading on product listings of the competition, you know, to better understand what were the features they were looking for. So honestly, I would say that that process really made it a success. So that That's was like- super my, interesting because yeah.
1: I think a lot of brands have this sense that, oh, with Amazon, compared to D2C, I guess, most obviously, you don't get that interaction with the customer. But- You're talking about developing a product from scratch, essentially from reading product reviews and having that voice of the customer involved at the design stage. So I think that there's a lot of missed opportunities for brands who are not really engaging with all the amount of data that Amazon has, both within, you know, the 1P system or in Seller Central, and then also the customer reviews and what's going on and what's popular. There is so much data to mine from Amazon.
0: I agree. I really agree. And that was one of the, I think, what made a success on the Amazon business for Pelican. Like when I left the company in 2022, the brand alone was selling a figures across, we had like a hundred different ASINs and we started from nothing on Amazon. Yes, for sure. We had like big retailers, you know, like Costco, Dick Sporting Goods, Walmart, but having this focus, like, on a channel that was basically really only digital was honestly very fulfilling.
1: That's amazing. So you went from nothing to eight figures over how many years? It was five years. Wow. Yeah. Well done.
0: (laughs) It was pretty nice. I had a team with me for sure, but still it was a very nice experience. But then, you know, like last year I fell in love with this brand called Algical, Vancouver based supplement company specialize in bone health. Their vision, a world without fear of bone loss, truly resonate in me, Carrie. Their mission is really to inspire people to strengthen their bones. And it touched me, I think, in a personal way, because my mom and my grandmother both suffer from osteoporosis. So it was just like a call I simply couldn't ignore. I really want to Join them into this adventure that they were having on Amazon because they had already grown a pretty a nice business, three-piece seller, so the other side of the business. I had to, again, dive myself into webinars and everything to learn about that part of the setup, but they had already like achieved significant sales. But I saw an opportunity to elevate the brand to the next level and leverage Amazon as a platform to raise awareness. So through this channel we could further impact people's lives, you know. For me selling on Amazon is now not about just like making a sale. It's really about offering a product that I know will change someone's life. So my mission really every day is to ensure that our message is clear and understood through all the content that we make available on
1: Amazon. Well, I've got a few questions for you. So first of all, question about going from the 1P model to the 3P model. That is something that happens fairly frequently, especially as people move, change jobs, but also within orgs, sometimes there is a transition between the two. And I'd love to learn a couple of things that were new to you or things that you were surprising as you were exposed to the 3P world coming from that 1P background?
0: Uh, Yes. So 1P, I think it's a very good setup for brands that don't want to really think about the sales that they were, how can I say, the sales that every week will come because POs will get cut off every Monday morning. They do have At the time, I don't know now if it changed or not, but at the time we did have like forecasting tools that was quite accurate, but still need to a couple of work around there. But overall, you also have like a vendor manager if you are lucky enough to talk to him because That's a big
1: if, by the way.
0: Exactly. (laughs) It's a big if. At the beginning, I know we didn't. Pelican didn't have like the two first years, it was quite difficult because we didn't have like this personal calls with the vendor manager, but they did acquire two other brands, American brands during my time within the company, which made us like a bigger entity if we want in the nautical category. So we were lucky enough to have this one-on-one call with our vendor manager every month to go over our numbers, strategies, and also to help us escalate a lot of our issues that we were having at that time. So setup, I think vendor is more like a B2B setup if we want. As for 3P, when I started, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. We have so much information, just like the brand analytics are better What else did I saw that was very good? All the insights about the products, the virtual bundles. There's so many more options there for sellers that I still have a one-on-one with my colleague that is still at Pelican. He's in the 1P and he's like, you guys have that? I'm like, yeah, we do have this information. And I feel like Amazon is giving out so much more in the 3P side of things than 1P at the moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely the platform that sort of gets the first access to data before 1P, if anything. So tell me a little bit more about, so you came into AlgaeCal, you wanted to focus on Amazon content as education for the consumer. Tell me about how you're trying to do that and what you see the opportunity there as.
0: Yes. So through the content, the opportunity was actually, we optimize all of our product listings just to make them really more focused on features and benefits. The Amazon plus content part of our product listings also are all about the bone journey of a customer. So for instance, we make sure that when the customer is reading, because Within our product line, our products are different depending on your needs and your age, too. So, if you are only into prevention, you don't have like osteoporosis, but you know that you have to take care of your bones because you're 35 now or you're getting into your 40s. Well, we have a product for you, but we also have a product for those who have osteoporosis and want to increase their bone density. So how do we make sure that our customer comes within the product listings and through reading our enhanced content, they understand this bone journey and what is the best product for them. So we make sure to have pieces of our blogs, change every quarter on our A-plus content and see what is more engaging for consumers. We've also added brochures, documents spec sheets that go more in depth into the ingredients and the benefits of our product and i know that not all of customers on amazon are going to see all of that content you know there's a lot that will just see the pictures and buy with the images they will decide if they're going to buy or not but i still believe that something like supplements customers are more cautious and they need to be more trustworthy with the brand that they are buying. And I feel like the more information you give out there, they read it or not, it doesn't matter. The brand has to provide that to make sure that the customer feels secure, you know, by their purchase.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Acadia a trusted partner for challenger brands who are looking to make the best use of every marketing dollar, whether that is through SEO, performance media, Amazon and retail media, analytics or organic social. To learn more, visit acadia.io. That's A-C-A-D-I-A dot I-O. That's interesting. Yeah, the supplement world is extremely competitive. I don't know if you saw a supplement company was Amazon took legal action against a supplement company in the U.S. for merging product variations so that they could, you know, aggregate the total number of product reviews.
0: Yes, I heard about that.
1: Yeah, and Amazon has said that that was manipulating the algorithm unfairly. And I could see both sides. I think that we'll catch errors all the time from Amazon where we try to merge products that are genuinely variations. And it's like, this is literally just a different size of that product. And it's a legitimate variation that will get kicked back with an error and you have to, you know, deal with cases to get it actually merged. But then, yeah, there is plenty of manipulation going on in in lots of categories, but especially it seems supplements where generally pretty high margin, high volume, the upside that you would get from having a fairly small tweak on the page potentially is going to have a meaningful amount of meaningful change on the conversion rate or whatever of the product listing. So it's interesting you mentioned that supplement customers are cautious, brands need to build trust. And I guess the point being that there's plenty of supplement brands out there who are not really helping to instill trust in consumers. So if you're actually going the extra mile with the content and adding the specs and the ingredients in detail, then that's one way to sort of address that mistrust of the category.
0: It is. And we have been successful with that. You know, like it's been a year now that I'm with Algical, and we've achieved double digit growth this year. We also launched on Amazon Canada and more recently expanded on Walmart.com and our strategy and focus will always remain being content-driven.
1: So you mentioned that you're changing content every quarter. Is that so that you can sort of test the conversion rate of the prior quarter and make those tweaks? How do you actually know what content is resonating with customers on Amazon?
0: What I'm doing at the moment is I'm mostly changing it just to refresh it. We haven't gone into really diving into the numbers and making, you know, assumptions of what really converts more as for A plus content, because we don't really have like the time spent on that type of content. However, we can assume that if our conversion rates are better for that period, all other things being the same, well, the content help for sure but I think that mostly what we are trying to do is just refreshing and always making sure that the content is new to the consumer because we have a very large base of loyal customers that will come month over month. So I want them also that when they go into our product listing, well, sometimes they have something new you know, from the brand and it's not just the same content all year long. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about retail media and what's one thing that you think Algical is doing well in that regard?
0: Yeah, so Algical, being a D2C native company, we have teams that are well equipped to support each other. We are organized into separate business units that support each individual business unit. There's not that feeling, you know, of competition of channels. We are really working like all hands together. And we also have like a dedicated team, advertising team in our D2C business. So that helped us a lot to test and learn various strategies. We also have the BI team. They come after, you know, with they work with all this data and help us make informed decisions based on data or trends that we are seeing. But that is on the D2C side. On the Amazon advertising strategies, I'm actually working with an outside agency, and they handle our retail media strategies. And honestly, Kiri, I think I'm driving them a little bit crazy (laughs) in a fun way, (laughs) because I love to test. I'm a tester. They've already flagged me like that as a customer that likes to test. I like to implement appealing, engaging strategies. And I think that that's a big part of our success, you know, really understanding what our customers' purchasing behaviors are. And we run both sponsor and DSP campaigns, although a much higher percentage in the past month in DSP, because we have seen that the cost of acquisition is actually lower. And I think it's due to the fact that we can target more specific the audiences and really talk to the customer than we want to. I can give you an example if you want. Uh, yeah, that would of be great. A- I think
1: BSP yeah. <laughs> is, you know, it's for a lot of people understand the potential there, but for a lot of brands, it is still, you know, still something that's quite new and unproven. Yeah.
0: So without giving like away all of our secrets there, I still have like a small example of a test that we run. So Algical, we are recognized, you know, in the calcium supplement category, but So I asked myself, like, what other categories just make sense for us to advertise in? And one that came up was actually mobility aid. Why? Well, yeah, because we know that many of our customers, they actually discover they have osteoporosis after their first fall. So when their doctors perform what we call a DEXA scan of their bones, it's when they actually know that they have osteoporosis. So with this, it was like quite logical that our potential customers would be shopping or had shopped for canes, walkers or braces on Amazon. So with the DSP capabilities, we can actually have like custom audiences where we target these customers with branded creative ads where we feature our promise, you know, to take care of their bones reduce their risk of fracture, or even help them never break a bone again. So these are like the types of messaging or tests that I like to run every quarter there on a small scale, you know, like 30 days. And then we take a couple of days to analyze all the data, see how we've uh, increased maybe our brand awareness, uh, new to brand customers in other categories.
1: Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Have you started playing around with Amazon Marketing Cloud yet? No, not yet. It's in the roadmap for sure. Yeah, that will be a big unlock for you using DSP in that way.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, other than like testing and learning strategies like that, we do have other KPIs, you know, that we are following. One is very important for us on the D2C side. And now we are trying to better understand it on the Amazon side. It's life value of a customer. Because our product starts actually showing effects after three months. So we want to make sure our customers has a positive first experience with us. But we also want them to stay with us for that critical initial period. So we focus a lot on subscribe and save program. It's actually a high percentage of our sales. We also offer three months bundles tagged with the discounts, just to make it more appealing to customers to buy these bundles and use our product for three months. Because we know that after those three months, they're going to see the benefit of our product. And it's just going to make like natural sense for them to remain loyal to our brand. So we are really here for, how can I say, fostering long-term relationships with our customers.
1: I love this point and I just want to underscore this because I think this is super helpful for brands that have a period of like an adoption period that you're talking about before they're really familiar with the benefits that they're seeing. Because it, it's a pill, right? And like you said, you're not going to see results for three months and there are lots of other verticals like this. So, you know, some skincare products, it's not really enough to get a trial trial you know, like a sachet and use it one time, you actually need to consistently use it or other types of, you know, nutritional things or fitness. So if there is a period where you need the customer to use it for a period of time in order to see a result or to really get the benefit of it, you mentioned offering a bundle that's going to take their usage through that period, offering subscribe and save, and I assume some like appealing discounts with subscribe and save so that you can get them to the point where they're really seeing the benefit of the product. I love that point. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. We also have DSP campaigns really are retargeting those customers and making sure that they don't forget every month to get their bone companion there and making sure that they still continue to take care of their bones. But as you can see, like our KPIs are mainly, how can I say, impressions, new to brand, click-through rates, but it's because for us, Amazon is a brand awareness play. But we do look at also obviously like conversion rate, the ROAS, but other types of campaigns that really are more focused towards like repurchasing tactics or cross-selling strategies. So it depends where in the funnel we are in our strategy and those are the KPIs that we will be leveraging.
1: Yeah, that's great. And lifetime value is a really good one. We have a client in the personal care category who had a product that was an unsung hero that we discovered through Amazon Marketing Cloud analysis, actually. So we found this product that was sort of like the gateway drug to the rest of the product line and hadn't really gotten much attention in terms of ad budget or optimization or anything like that. But we found that if a customer purchased that item, they were much likely to then go and purchase from the rest of the product line. So it was very interesting to see like this product that had flown under the radar be an unsung hero and actually if we had put more ad budget into that product, then we would increase lifetime value pretty significantly. So that is, I think, something to look forward to once you start using Amazon Marketing Cloud, that's for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's all about customer acquisition, but also retention. Yep. Yep.
1: So e commerce in Canada is different to the US. We have some experience sort of bringing US brands to Canada and it is a different market, obviously. So, what are some of the big misconceptions that you think brands have about launching in Canada if they're a US brand or vice versa? I guess you've been on the other side of the table launching in the US if they're a Canadian brand.
0: Well, actually, both of the time I was in the U.S. and we launched in Canada after. <laughs> right. Both in the, yeah. So both in the supplement and outdoor categories. I think the biggest misconception is assuming that one size fits all. Like, although the Canadian market is smaller, it has been growing rapidly in the recent year, especially Amazon has been opening so much warehouse, you know, to cover this vast territory but i found that canadian consumers tend to be more diligent maybe said like what's the word inquisitive when making a purchase and for me when i realized that is when i start reading through the reviews and comments where they were actually asking not where the product is manufactured but like where is actually the raw material source like they really want to go into deep deep yeah information So that was one of the things that I was like, oh, okay. We need to make sure that we have this information for the Canadian customer. Also, you know, like another thing to know would be like, you know, the tag made in the USA holds a significant value for American consumers, but probably Canadian brand is also equally important for Canadians. Luckily for us, we manufacture products in both territories so this allow us to highlight this in our marketing content and better target our audiences there.
1: Great. Yeah. Anything else you'd mention about comparing those two markets?
0: Yes. So another example that I have is when I was working with Polican, we can't have like a kayak photo shoot in the Florida Keys with turquoise water and expect it to be as engaging for Canadians. Dreamy, yeah, dreamy for sure, but not engaging. Yeah, instead you would need imagery of families at their lake cabins, enjoying time underwater. So it requires a different creative direction that speaks to the Canadian market.
1: That is so interesting and it makes total sense. I can see that as you're talking about it. Yeah, the Florida Keys landscape versus the lake cabin. that's a good one. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Walmart. I know that you have some experience launching brands on the Walmart marketplace. What have been some of your key learnings there?
0: Yes. So working with Walmart has been interesting for me. At Pelican, we used to have the dropship program to fulfill orders through our 3PL partner. We also employed at the time it was called Salsify. Yeah. It was our product information management system tool where we efficiently manage our content because we had like over a hundred SKUs. Walmart was really like a showcase of our full accessory lineup. And it helped our buyers identify top selling products to consider for in-store purchase for their next season. Because with Pelican, we were doing both. We were in stores and we were doing digital. But with Aljical it's different. We're utilizing Walmart marketplace as sellers. We're using Walmart Fulfillment Services, which is quite similar to Amazon FBA. Although we only have like not even a full quarter because we launched like, I would say, I think it was early Feb. I've already noticed significant differences like in the algorithms and content requirements Yeah, between Walmart and Amazon. One of those examples is like Walmart really favors listings with shorter, precise titles and description as well as a set of category attributes. Like if you shop on Walmart and it's a supplement category, you're going to see like numerous filters that actually can impact your product discoverability. So when you complete these sheets, you know, and submit the products, you really want to make sure that you have all of those attributes filled in to make sure that your product will be discovered like shoppers also they often filter also by promotional badges like clearance or reduced price so maybe important also to think about your promotional price point strategy on Walmart i feel it's much more important on that marketplace than on Amazon it's one of the difference i've seen
1: yeah that makes sense so on Amazon it's much more keyword driven Whereas Walmart, people are actually filtering down into certain categories and they're really building out these sort of category sections of the website as well. Like recently, a few weeks ago, they launched clean beauty as a category. And so if your product doesn't have that attribute, it's not going on that clean beauty page. So that makes a lot of sense. There's also
0: the pro-seller badge that is really important. So Walmart recognized us actually a couple of weeks ago to be you know, a responsible and reliable seller. And this helps with conversions because it just makes our product more
1: trustworthy. Did you notice an increasing conversion or sales after you got that badge?
0: We did, yes. But we most did when recently we synced our D2C product reviews with our platform, we use a Yotpo, okay, and our product listing quality improved to ninety-eight percent instantly. So this we're really going to help, you know, enhance our discoverability within the category. But since all of our reviews are there, it's been a couple of days there, but I can already see an increase in sales. Yeah.
1: So. Just so I understand what that means, we actually just did a breakdown on our blog about four different ways you can syndicate product reviews from other sites to Walmart, and they all have various costs and benefits and drawbacks, basically. And Yopo is one of those options. So you said product listing quality increased to 98%. Is that a Walmart metric on the back end? Yeah, it's
0: a Walmart metric, actually. It's where you have like the product listing quality is, I believe, discoverability.
1: That's interesting to hear about the improvement in results once you syndicated product reviews elsewhere. So you were saying your product listing quality increased to 98%. What was it prior to actually aggregating those reviews?
0: We were around, because we have the good fulfillment scored and our dis- discoverability with attributes was pretty good. We were, I believe it was around 70 of our listings, product listings. But as soon as we put out the reviews, because we have like hundreds of them, you know, on our D2C side, well, for sure, the review part of the score came up to 100%. So that went up to a total of 98 for a product listing.
1: All right. well. So we're wrapping up here. One thing that's e-commerce related that you're excited about?
0: Oh, I would say that I'm super excited about the growing amount of data that e-commerce platforms like Amazon are sharing with sellers these days. This increase in accessibility information is really a game changer for brands. And it's helping us better understand our customers, their preferences and their behavior. So with more data at our fingertips, you know, provided with the brand analytic tools, we can make more informed decisions, optimize our advertising efforts, and also tailor our product offering to better meet the needs of our customers. The insights we gain from the data analysis will allow us to improve our products and services, resulting in a stronger brand and loyalty over time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you actually took the data manually from product reviews and used that to improve your products. And now with more aggregated data from dashboards and Amazon Marketing Cloud and places like that, you can do that at scale. So that is a really great point. Well, Elizabeth, this has been wonderful. So many great insights that you've shared here. I've got at least like three that I've highlighted that I'm going to be sharing out when the episode is released thank you for coming on and being open with your journey and things that you're learning along the way
0: carrie thank you so much for having me here and giving me you know the opportunity to share my experience i loved our discussions and i truly hope that my journey and the insights i've shared can inspire more brands to either start you know or continue their adventure on amazon again thank you very much for having me